0: This past Saturday was two weeks from my second dose of the Moderna vaccine. I sat in line for about four hours at Dodger Stadium to get my second jab from the mass vaccination site set up by the Los Angeles Fire Department. I then paid my dues with 48 hours of various flu-like symptoms and now am officially vaccinated with all the pomp, circumstance and antibodies that go along with it. So now I'm thinking... Since I'm officially prepared to return to whatever the new normal life is going to be, what to do first? You know, High on my list is a professional haircut. I've been cutting my own hair through this, and by virtue of the fact that I have simple requirements and short hair, I've managed to do okay. But to avoid it becoming a mullet due to the lack of eyes in the back of my head, it's past time to go to the pros. I've also got family birthdays in mid-May. I haven't seen my sister or her family since my dad passed last August, and she and I are born exactly five years and two days apart, so maybe a family dinner is called for. But first off, I think I'm going to go visit a friend, also vaccinated, sit across from him on his porch, at least six feet separated, with cigars and a nice bourbon, and have a face-to-face conversation for the first time since January 2020. We've been doing Zoom every week for the last year, but, you know, it's just not the same as being face-to-face. What's the first relief valve you plan to activate once you've been fully vaccinated and ready to venture out into the world again? Well, whatever it is, be safe, be smart, and savor the moment. My guest today is Al Pimentel. Al grew up in a family of musicians. By age 12, music became his passion, and he decided he wanted a career in the music industry. So through high school, he performed in several small venues from Santa Monica to Venice Beach and started teaching part-time during the summer. He completed his formal musical studies at El Camino College, where he studied both jazz and classical saxophone. Beside teaching, he can also be found playing not just jazz, but other popular styles of music all over Los Angeles. Al, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. It's great to be here.
0: Um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what you do and um, how long you've been doing it, your training, that kind of thing?
1: Okay. Uh, okay. So by day, I'm a music teacher. And before the pandemic, by night, I would. Do rehearsals with different uh, kinds of bands, uh, pretty much all genres. Uh, I was lucky enough to be a very wanted saxophonist for anyone from singer-songwriter to rock, jazz, and it was great. It was great. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much what
0: I do: music. Okay. Do you get, have you done like professional sessions um, with different artists? Are you on any kind of recordings, things like that?
1: I'm on I'm, I'm on a few recordings. Yeah. Um there was a, a Redondo Beach uh musician that went by the name of Josh Arbor. Okay. Um he used to do a, a lot of performances over at a venue on the corner of uh, I believe it's BCH and 190th. Okay. Um, um I forget the name of the place. I'm just very forgetful. That's... It's not that the that forgettable. forgetful. Oh good. <laughs> but yeah, so we went as far as performing uh, at the Kaboo Fest back in 2017, I believe. This was a, a music festival in San Diego. We got to open for a few bands. One of them was Pink. Oh, so nice! A lot of people there. Yeah,
0: very cool. Okay.
1: Um, and yes, I he he did do a an album. I got to play in that. Um, there's a few Japanese artists that I got to perform with. And also I got to do a couple tracks in their album. And there was a, um, a band from Palmdale named jazz moves that did a album. And I got to do a couple songs in there too. So I, yeah, over the years I've gotten to record with a few uh, other bands and artists.
0: Okay. How do you make your living normally? Uh, do you, do you, is it almost entirely from teaching? Do you get a lot of paid gigs that you do?
1: Yeah. Generally, I, I do get a chance to perform at least twice a month on weekends.
0: Okay. Also, local uh, local club kind of thing?
1: I wouldn't say uh, mostly local. It was, it was actually pretty mixed. Okay. I got a chance to go pretty far as far as North California. Okay. And some of them would be local. And I think the majority of my gigs would be with a wedding band. Okay. So those... Those were great during the summer. That's like a weekend thing, you know, got to practice at least, you know, would have a good five days to, to rehearse. And then we'd have a a different wedding on the weekends.
0: Very, very, uh, very cool.
1: You can say my, my income is, uh, two thirds teaching and one third, uh, performance, which is a pretty good average balance. I would say.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, talk about your training. Where did you learn how to play music? Are you self-taught? Did you go to school for it?
1: Uh, I did go to school for it. I started, um, as a second grader. It's the saxophone just looked like a, like something cool to learn. Uh, I, I still, I had no idea what it entailed and how much work it was going to be. Yeah. The only reason I picked it was because ever since I was little, I was very stubborn. And the band director said, Hey, you know you're you're kind of small to to play that. <laughs> you should try a smaller instrument. And I said, "What? You just said I can't physically do this. I will prove you wrong, Mister." Well, I mean, I probably didn't say it exactly that way, but that was my intention. I was just very upset that he said I couldn't do something. And um, I always joke around with my friends. I I, I wish somebody would have said that there was no way I could be a surgeon. I would probably be a surgeon if somebody had said that. Yeah. <laughs> So
0: so you were yeah. you were what seven? So that means you were what seven years old when you picked up your first saxophone. I was
1: eight years old. Eight years old. Yeah. I've always been about uh, I don't know somewhere around second grade. I was a year older than my grade, and that was a long story. It had to do with my parents traveling and all that stuff, and me not starting school at the right time. Yeah. So due that's, to that,
0: that's cool. I've got this vision in my head of Al wearing a saxophone as an eight-year-old wearing the strap and the, the, the saxophone just kind of like pulling you to the ground, bent over.
1: (laughs) You're pretty much correct. I was no way tall enough uh, to play the saxophone. It probably looked like a tiny berry sax. Yeah. I I was at the time.
0: That's funny. Very funny. Okay. So life was doing its thing and then the pandemic came along, right? It's a little more than a year ago. And shut everything down. How did that change life?
1: Uh, well, at first, uh, well, okay. First thing that happened is no more gigs. Yeah. So that was, it. yeah, it was a little sad. Yeah, uh, I just, There was a, a few things that had been lined up. Other things that I was waiting for to happen. And then poof, nothing. Uh, you could say the teaching kind of slowed down a lot. Yeah. And. Schools. The I, I teach at a private school in Torrance. That was like, you know, we have to close that. And then some people were a little bit uh, hesitant to do the online private lessons. Right. So, I I had a good two weeks, two and a half weeks where things slowed down a lot, and I I took it as a blessing because I work a lot. I mean, talking Monday through Saturday, yeah, where I'm teaching or gigging and. I at least got a chance to uh, recharge and figure out what I was going to do. So okay. uh, after that that, that that time period, people were like, okay, we're bored. We want to go back to the lessons, even if it's online. And some people even still asked me, well, you know, you could still come to our house and we could do the lesson outside. And I was like, well, no, because people will find out I'm doing this and then I, it, it'll be out of control. So yeah. I'll stick to online teaching. This is how we're going to do
0: how complicated was adapting to online teaching for you.
1: The one-on-one lessons uh, were pretty easy to, to figure out. Um, I figured, okay, so we can't play at the same time, but I can hear you play. You hear me play. We do that. Eventually over the course of, of teaching, I realized, well, you know, the student has to hear me mm-hmm. playing. Um, so I just asked, asked the student, mute, and I count us off, and, and you follow me. So we were able to play together that way, and a lot of my students were getting a lot of it again. Okay. Because now they can hear me play, play along with me, and things you could say were at least at uh, 75% efficiency okay. and instead of... Just half, which was what it felt like every time I had to play something. And then the student had to play it and yeah. there was nothing for them to go along in case they needed to play and, and be able to follow something. Okay. So
0: how about, uh, do you do, is, is there uh like group kind of stuff anymore? Do you do groups on, uh, on, on video conferencing? How does that work?
1: Oh yeah. So, uh, because, uh, in Redondo, the fifth grade band program, Was temporarily shut down me and my wife were asked to do something similar so yeah we had to do that at first the first few weeks were a little difficult because you have to teach kids that had never picked up an instrument before how to do it you can't adjust them you can't show them you know face to face so we just thought on our you could say think on your feet kind of a thing right we just Figured and tried different things, and then stuff started to work out. Uh, we then asked Allison to help us out because we needed a, another person to assist us yeah. while we were uh, teaching and handling paperwork, uh, updating lesson plans, and all that, yeah. and, and, and uploading assignments in the middle of class. So, uh, having the third person uh, assisting us just made a huge difference. Cool. So. Yeah. And then I'm still running uh, the community jazz band uh, End Time. Okay. And that has its own process. It's different. The kids all know how to play. So I plug the backing track or or the song that they're playing. They're learning to play. Mm -hmm. I create a click track. So they hear a metronome at the same time as the song and they all play along. I slow it down. I... I pick up an instrument and I play okay. their part so they can hear how it's supposed to go. So yeah. I'm still being in teaching and we go over certain sections and then I have them play the, the entire song as best as they can okay. to the track. And that's how we do that every week.
0: Do you, so, do you at some point, I mean, what is, <laughs> what's a group performance for an audience like now? Oh, how do you do you, do you do anything like that are you able to pull that together
1: uh well I, this uh, situation made me have to learn the video edit okay so i was like well these kids have to have a goal otherwise they're going to stop coming to rehearsal right so i yeah. said we're still going to perform they're like how and i said well have you seen those cool virtual ensembles yeah. i'm going to learn to do that and the kids were like oh okay you know most of the time they realize that if i set my mind to it i i do it so they weren't really all that surprised that we're like okay you're gonna take on one more thing mr l good luck but okay (laughs) so i learned to do it i taught them uh how to play to a click track and i handed them all the music and then i taught them how to record themselves using their their phones and they all submitted their videos of their parts and i learned how to put it together and we started we had a, a christmas performance that way we then Did uh, I have another performance early on in February where the jazz band did a thing? Yeah, I'm currently working on another performance for end of May of uh, music from The Greatest Showman. Okay, and that's you know that that I believe we have about fifty more kids practicing to perform this. So this is going to be the biggest virtual ensemble I've ever done. Wow. It's going to be 50 people how, on
0: this. How do you synchronize them? Like in the movie business, they use a, they call it a clapper board, right? And everybody's seen one in in, in TV where they, they clap the sticks together and it, and they use that to synchronize the sound to the film, actually. Right. How do you do that with 50 kids who are all, do they all start at the beginning of the song and then sit there silently, you know, during the other player's parts until they hit their part so that everybody is starting at the same point to synchronize it? Or do you have to do some kind of magic?
1: Well, yes. Uh, mostly they, they, as long as they follow the directions, it works out and it's less work for me. So yes, I ask them to clap once right with them. There there's a um, metronome count off. It's going click, click, yeah, click, 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 click. If they clap in one of those first two clicks, I line their their action to their to the audio okay. and that's how i combine it but of course they're just filming themselves with their phone right so their their video and audio is already synchronized i use right. the clap
0: right yeah right. no I'm, right. I'm thinking more about uh, how because I've, I've wondered about this watching you know like when they do it on on big tv shows also how they are able to get all of these musicians synchronized in a way so that the track starts at the same place every time, right? So like in the case of this podcast, when I'm done talking with you and we download it, I will get two audio files that are exactly the same length, right? So I drag them into an editing tool together and they're already in sync. I don't have to worry about matching because, you know, it's not two separate devices that we're trying to piece together. But here you've got, you know, you're talking about 50 individual kids that are all, and they're not, you know, they're, they're supposed to be following a certain protocol to get there. But they're kids. Who knows what they're going to do, right? So
1: Right. So in order, like you said, the 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 two files are the same. is, And they all have to use two devices to record. One to record themselves. Yeah. And one to listen to the play along track. Okay. So that's how their file ends up the same length as everybody else's because they're all following the same click track. Right. Okay. And if they don't play in the beginning, they they just get to listen to the the rest of the music. And you know, I even tell them, Hey, if you're not playing, just kinda sway with yeah. the music a little bit and you know, make it look like you're in the concert.
0: That's cool. And
1: you're it. so yeah, that's that's pretty much how, how I'm gonna get all these kids to synchronize and stuff.
0: It's cool. It's a lot of work, man. I'm looking forward. I'm going to look for that when it's ready to go. I want to see that. It looks like yeah. uh, it's probably a lot of fun too. Also, yeah. So, how's the family holding up through all of this? How have you guys been doing just in general with life?
1: Uh, well, me and my wife have been doing good. Uh, her side of the family is doing pretty good. Uh, my family lives in Mexico and they're a mess right now. I mean, I know I shouldn't be talking about other countries, but no, no,
0: you know, what part of, so part of what I've been doing here is talking to people who are either from other countries, living in other countries or have family there and seeing how the rest of the world is handling all this too. Right. Because, uh, we're all limited to that TV or whatever box gives us information about what's going on in the world. But there's so much more to learn when we talk to people who are living it. Right. So feel free to talk about anything.
1: Well, yeah, um, we think that things are difficult here, but it's so much better by, you know, uh, light years. Um, So in Mexico, depending what part you're in, they're in a smaller city in, in the main area of Mexico City. Yeah. And the majority of the people there, they can't really afford certain things Mm -hmm. like a mask. Okay. Okay. In Mexico, everybody's out to get whatever penny they can. So uh, let's say you work in a place where you have these masks accessible. Mm -hmm. Well, buy them out and then you sell, you scalp them for a lot of money Okay. because you need that money. So that leaves people that can't afford it without being able to wear a mask. So you have people all over public transportation yeah. maskless, Yeah. And they're, that's how they're catching COVID here and there. Um, even though you're wearing a mask, if you're around it enough, you're probably bound to get it anyway, somehow. Right. And that's how my dad caught it. He he caught it from going to uh, one place to the other. He was in public transportation and then, you know, around December, he didn't feel very well and he was doing very poorly health-wise and that's how they found out that he had it so that that caused a lot of stress but you know thankfully he he made it through he he was fine good um i did learn a lot about some of my family that i mean uh again these are his side of the family my father's side of the family his siblings and stuff they like to get money as best as they can as well. So they were trying to offer me, uh, what's it called an air compressor machine for my dad to be able to breathe at night with and stuff. Okay. And, um, they, they were like, Oh, well, Al, you live in America, you have money. Right. So, you know, give us, give us a couple thousand bucks for this machine and we'll, we'll, we'll buy it for your dad and make sure he gets it. So he's okay. And I, I I was just like, whoa like are they literally trying to uh extort me out of money because of my dad's health and and then so i ignored them yeah and they started talking to my mom saying oh your your son seems to be very ungrateful we're trying to help out and he's not sending the money we're asking for and so they're telling her to talk to me and okay. then they're starting to almost uh play guilt threats they said well you know if if your husband dies. This is on you guys. You guys didn't do anything to help him out. And, so who are and this, these? This who
0: are like, these guys? They're like they're not they're, like doctors or anything like that. They're just like uh, people. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, just not, you know, yeah. like
1: I believe um, my this particular uncle, his wife is a nurse or some kind of caretaker. Okay, so she's around. She can get things uh, more easily than others. Yeah. So she's trying to make a quick buck on the side. Okay, and. At the same time, she figures, oh well, you know, people from America have money. Let's try to get some money from them, you know. And then I'm just putting it nicely. Yeah. This whole situation. No, it's
0: okay. Was this saying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so we dealt with that. I was able to talk to people I know here, um, and they. I was able to buy the machine on Amazon. I think it was like two, two, three hundred bucks. Yeah. And then we we shipped it to where they lived. It was almost another 200 bucks, but it was an expedited uh, item and and he got it on time and everything. And, but during that whole situation, it was, it was scary because I'm like, this is my own family, you know, Uh, my, my uncles and aunts and they're, they're trying to take advantage out of their oldest siblings uh, near demise just to get extra money in it. And, And there you go. That's pretty much how Mexico is. So when I hear friends going, Yeah, we're gonna go to Cavo, we're doing well, you know, it's like, why would you want to go to that country right now?
0: Yeah, it's I, not safe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's starting to turn around here in the US, at least certainly here in Southern California, it's starting to feel better. We're getting our vaccines, but I still, for the life of me, can't understand why anybody would want to go and do any serious travel right now. That doesn't involve like maybe driving there and then locking myself away from other people while I'm away. Right. It's there'll be time at the end of the year, beginning of next year to do that kind of stuff, I think.
1: Yeah. And the way that that some people are getting the vaccines over there is also pretty shifty. I was going to
0: ask you, have they started vaccinating people down in Mexico? Tell me, tell me your story.
1: Oh, well, um, they started to in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And the people that were able to uh, pay for the vaccines were able to get them. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to get a vaccine back in February, yeah. you would have to find somebody that had acquired it through work and was scalping them and they were charging 500 us dollars for it. Wow. So that's about 10,000 pesos.
0: Yeah. it's a lot of money.
1: So if you want your vaccine, $10,000 uh, pesos, uh, or $500 U.S. dollars cash. Wow. And so my parents were like, you know, maybe we should get that vaccine. Uh, we don't want to catch COVID again. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. Like yeah. I could send you $500 to to make it through a couple weeks uh, for, yeah. you know, other stuff. Yeah. So they finally started to vaccinate in, in their area. And it seems like things are going well. I believe my mom just got her first vaccine and she didn't have to okay. pay for it okay but uh okay. that's pretty much the situation and if if uh the government hasn't set up a, a post for you to get vaccines there's people that will go to wherever they're vaccinating and yeah. they acquire it and then they drive across town to sell it for tons and tons of money so it's it's a free-for-all it's crazy that's
0: it's crazy. Yeah. Are they, are they, is the government at least organized the way we are where, uh, they've classified different people who goes first and who comes later and they're doing it legitimately. You know, I, I, you hear stories about government corruption as well, right? So can you take yeah. that money and go find yourself a nice government official to take care of you before you're eligible?
1: Oh yeah. That's exactly what's been going on. Yeah. They are trying to do that system. Yeah. Yeah. Same as, as they're doing here in Europe, but, uh, you have the people with money and, and they're like, Hey, here's some money, uh, vaccinate my company, vaccinate my family. Yeah. And that's, that's how it started.
0: Well, at least they're starting to vaccinate people. Are they doing it at a reasonable enough clip that they'll be able to get through uh, the population in a, a relatively reasonable period of time, or is it going to take a very long time?
1: I think it might take a while. It's uh, there's still a lot of people not believing it's safe.
0: Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah. Even my parents, I had to talk them into doing it. Uh, So, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it happened all very quickly, so I can understand. I understand why people are concerned about it. Um, I'm a technology guy. And so I see this moment in history as literally a, a historic moment of the convergence of a lot of technology and a lot of knowledge all at one time that got us a vaccine as quickly as we did right? Cheap, cheap supercomputers, which are available to us, Uh, you know, decades of development of things like um, CRISPR, which is a, um, a tool they use for editing genes, right? For doing genetic modification, having a map of the human genome available to them when this hit, it just, the things that would have normally taken 10 years to do before they could begin developing the vaccine, Were done in weeks because all of that was available. And I think we just hit that magic moment in history where some of our technology caught up with some of our knowledge and we were able to get it done faster. But I can, I totally get why people look at it and go, well, why is it with the last one? You know, the the one people have used with me a lot is HIV. Well, why is it we still don't have an HIV vaccine? You know, and I'm like, well, first of all, they're different, right? You know, one is not. Spreading by air around the uh, around the world as quickly, and at this point, because they've developed the medications to control HIV, there's no incentive anymore to to, to come up urgently with a vaccine, right? Because now the drug companies get their money, and that's a different whole different podcast. Anyway, how do the how are you feeling about the next six months? I mean, we're, you know, LA County's in the orange, which is cool, right? Things are beginning to open up. For us, I'm a little scared about spring break and what that's going to result in, but how how are you feeling about it? What are you seeing in your world?
1: Okay. Well, seeing how things were last spring break and last summer, I think we're going to have a repeat. They're going to allow us to go out of the house. Yeah. And as soon as spring breaks over, they're going to probably uh, bring us back down another color or two and punish us for a little bit. Summer's going to happen. Yeah and they're going to let us out and then we're going to be back indoors for a while that's the way i see it okay the thing is some because we're in a part in a county that is so diverse you have some cities within the county that are doing their best to follow the rules and not take advantage of the situation mm-hmm. and then you have other cities within the county that are like oh no 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 we have the our, our right to do yeah. what we want
0: yeah i live and, i live i live west towards the ocean and a couple of those cities are around me i'm afraid so i understand what that's like um how about the vaccine though as a play into this do you think that's gonna make it easier it's gonna make it shorter i mean i don't know you're young have you gotten into the vaccines yet or for you i'm
1: already i got my both of my vaccines already there you go being a teacher i was uh, able to to get that opportunity and i the, the wife and I, we got on top of that. We want to make sure that there's only so much we can do to fix the situation yeah. and whatever little we can, which would be getting vaccinated. Yeah. We went for it. So we want to be, even if it's part of a small solution, we're part of it instead of the problem.
0: Cool. Cool. So, but you still see that, that in between now and what, the end of the summer, we're going to have another, uh, you think there's going to be another bump in numbers?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's it, And I feel like it's going to go down a lot because from what I see, there is a lot of people getting the vaccine, yeah. and that's a good way to diminish uh, the power that the virus has mm-hmm. um, affecting people. Um, but we probably might spike after a huge drop. It'll probably sp- spike not as bad as it used to be, Yeah, but maybe halfway. The, the percentage is still going to be pretty bad, um, but at least it'll be less people overall.
0: Okay. What are you looking forward to the most when the world reopens again?
1: Performing live. I got to do a a wedding um, where uh, my understanding was everybody that was in physically in the wedding uh, were all vaccinated. Okay. And uh, they they were only able to hire one musician. So that was that was me. I had backing tracks to play along to and all that. And uh, people were paying attention. Usually when you're playing at a wedding, (laughs) they're they're sitting at their tables. They're they're having their refreshments and uh, appetizers and they're talking and they're enjoying the music, the music's background. But right. this time around, I was playing. Uh, people were watching. They were quiet. You could hear pin drop yeah. amongst the, the music I was playing on my saxophone. And that was quite an uh, experience. I was like, whoa, people are, are they're clapping, you know. And That's awesome. Wow. So it was a rush. When I got home, I told my wife, wow, that was an amazing experience I, I, I want to be able to do that again you know very cool so that's what I'm looking forward to playing live
0: yeah cool what can we plug for you on the show here you got a website you've got what have you got
1: I don't know honestly I'm so blessed right now the only plug is you know I've, I work at Sunset Learning Center okay. we can always use more students for the other teachers okay so you know go check them out they're great. They've taken care of me really well and they've recently hired Allison as well. They're gonna yeah. take care of her. So Good. there you go.
0: Awesome. Al, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Yeah, my, my pleasure.